Well, let me introduce you to a little bit of Jewish. Because uh, we're going to talk about prayer this morning. And you know, Jewish people pray a couple different types of ways. Like there's free-flowing prayer, like we pray. We don't make it, write it down, and then pray it. We just pray from our heart. Jewish people do that. But Jewish people also have traditional prayers that they've been saying for years. This prayer, before you drink a glass of wine or grape juice, might even go back to the days of Jesus. So when he broke bread with his disciples, this might have been the very words he used. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melchalam borei peri hagafen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings the fruit from the vine, creator of the fruit of the vine. Every time a glass of wine or grape juice is had, that's the prayer that's had with it. So basically, most meals, or at least Friday night meals. And then the prayer over the bread, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melcholam hamotzi lecha min haaretz. Amen. Hmm, that's some good pita. I have to find out where Jen got that. Mm. So I'm just going to have a moment here. <laughs> your, your, your wish is my command. <laughs> I got it right to you. Wow. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> So take a little, pass it around. So there are prayers. <laughs> Don't make me talk to you about my trip to Cana at Galilee. That's <laughs> for another time. Traditional prayers, like the ones you just heard. We had Friday night dinner, Arab Shabbat, Shabbat evening at our tour guide's house, Boaz's house. Said the prayer. It's just, it's customary, it's traditional. Rabbis have taught their disciples how to pray for thousands of years. Um, the, the baptizer, John, he taught his disciples how to pray. Now, of course they knew how to pray, but he taught them special prayer, not recorded for us in the scripture. Jesus' disciples came to their rabbi, Jesus, and said, John has taught his disciples to pray. Would you teach us to pray? These words are recorded for us. Let me read to you. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying... Don't use meaningless repetition like the Gentiles do. They suppose they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Up on the screen, I would like to have the Lord's Prayer. And I'd like you to join me. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Son of God taught His disciples how to pray. These are some important words. So I want to look at them with you. And you may think it's silly, but I think one of the most important words in that whole prayer is the first word, our. He didn't tell them to pray my, which is what you'd expect with a personal prayer. And in our culture, we are so distant from one another. We have no sense of community. Even our families are fractured. My dad lives on that continent, coast. My mom lives on that coast. My cousin lives over there. They all lived together back in those days. But in our culture, we've lost something serious. In their culture, it wasn't like our father. Well, why would I pray our when it's... They knew. Our relationship with God is as a community. Of course, there's a personal element to it, but we emphasize that. We need to de-emphasize that and emphasize the our portion of the prayer. He's not my father. I'm not an only child. He's our father. That means you're my brother and my sister and my brother and my sister and my sister and my brother. And when we pray, we don't pray for and about ourselves. It shouldn't be this way. And what I want to encourage you is to learn our. Don't be the kind of person who shows up on Sunday, walks in the door, sings a song, hears the sermon, goes home, comes back next Sunday, does the same thing, and five years pass, and three rows down, and two people over, you have no clue who that person is. Don't be that person. Be the our person. Get committed. Get involved. This is your community. You've chosen it. If you don't like it, choose another one. But find one, like it, love it, die for it. No, no, live for it. Our. In Israel, they know all about our. I was walking through the market. It's Friday night. Boxes of bread just sitting on the sidewalk. Poor people pulling it out. I went to the tour guide and I said, is that garbage or is that left there intentionally for them? He said, oh, no, no, that's intentional. He said, you know, I got a, he didn't say it this way, but he said it this way. I got a problem with you Americans. Maybe you can answer this for me. I went to America everywhere I go. No trespassing, no trespassers. Trespassers will be shot. If they survive, they'll be shot again. He said, in our fields, we leave food for the poor people to take them, like the Bible says. Everybody says in your country that they're Christian. How come you don't do this? I don't know. I don't know why we don't do this. I guess had I thought a little harder, I'd say, hey, there's not that many people on the planet as generous as Americans. Maybe Israelis. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of us are kind of like mine, 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 not ours, ours, ours. So the first word in the Lord's Prayer is our Father who is in heaven. You know, when, when we sing, some of the songs are uh, we, we, and some of them are I, I. If the band does too many I, I's, I start singing we, we because I'm trying to get myself in tune with God's way of doing things. People said, welcome home, Steve. Glad to have you back. And I said, thank you. It's good to see you. But I left home, and now I'm back. Why? Because this is where God has us, right? Us. Not me. Us. 
So the first word is our. Our relationship to God is as a community. It's as a family. We don't walk with God alone. We walk as a group. The body is a unit, 1 Corinthians 12. Though it's made up of many parts, though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. I saw that so much on this trip. That one lady who made the impression on the shop owner who started giving out discounts. Honor. One woman was honored. We all reaped the benefits of the honor. My biggest concern on this trip was that my group would do the opposite. I didn't think they would. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, oh boy, I'm bringing a bunch of losers. No, no. I wanted to make an impression on these people. I wanted to be a blessing. And I was like, oh God, I hope we're not the opposite. That would be horrible. Oh, we weren't the opposite. God used us. It was a beautiful thing. When one part rejoices, all rejoice with it. When one is dishonored or dishonorable, we all suffer for it. We are a community. So, how do I help you believe what I'm saying? I don't mean just believe it, live it. You realize we do this potluck not because I like eating. <laughs> I like eating, but I can eat alone. In fact, I, I do better eating alone. You know, everybody in there, I want to talk. I don't want to eat. And there's the lines, and by the time I get there, no food's left. So why do we do the potlucks? Because we need to eat together. Families eat together, for goodness sakes. If we don't eat together, we're no community. That's the first thing people do together in community is eat. I wish we could eat together more often. If you're missing out on the potlucks, you're missing out. Some people say, well, I don't like the food. Dude, then don't eat. It's not about the food. It's about the family. It's about the fellowship. So what more can we do? So the elders have gotten together. We've gotten together with the leaders of Beth Sar Shalom. Both congregations want to build better community. So we're going to do something on Wednesday nights after the new year. We're going to change our format here on Wednesday nights. We're going to build small groups. We're going to come together for dinner. We're going to worship together. Then we're going to break up into small groups. Like the marriage ministry might be one group. And the book of Deuteronomy might be a group. And how to pray might be a group. And then maybe we'll come together and sing again and go home. Why? So we can get to interact with one another, talk with one another, know one another, love one another. Going to keep trying till the Lord comes back so we can be our. You know, before Jesus died, one of his last prayers was, Father, that they may be one. He taught him to pray our. Before he died, he said, God, make them one. Let's just give Jesus what he wants. Let's become a community. Second word, Father. Not Lord, not Master, not King, not God, not Creator, not Redeemer, not Alpha, not Omega, not Beginning, not End, not Judge. He's all those things. But that's not the word Jesus chose. He chose one word, Father. He wants us to pray to our Father who is in heaven, not the CEO of Heaven, Inc., can't approach that guy. He's too busy. But you can always knock on your father's door. You know, I love caller ID. I got a special ringtone just for my family. Got your phone? Call me. <laughs> hey, let me turn on the ringer first. Because I, I listened to James. I turned off my ringer. All right. Why don't you call me? I'll show you my family's ringtone. Because whatever I'm doing in a meeting or whatever, my family calls, I'm picking up the phone. 
Thank you. When my family calls, I pick up the phone. There's nothing else I do more important. I'm in the middle of a meeting. That's a last meeting. Get, guys, can we take a five-minute break? It's my brother's birthday. I'm going to call him. None of the guys said no. They were like, yeah, that's a great thing. Take a break. We are family too, right? And he's our father. That approach that my children have to me, even in a meeting, I'm going to pick up. We have that access to our father. He's waiting. You need a ringtone. We are family, and he's our heavenly father. And he wants you to dial him and interrupt his meetings as often as you will. In fact, the verse says, how's it, text without ceasing? Pray without ceasing. We never annoy God. He would be up there saying, please, annoy me some more. Our Father. But even though he's our Father, he's holy and he lives in heaven. And so the next set of prayer, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Saying that he's in heaven, it speaks to his power, his majesty, and his holiness. Now, if I had the time, and I don't, I'd show you how the pattern that Jesus is giving us in prayer, he himself also followed. Think of passages of Scripture where he said, My heavenly Father, our Father who is in He prayed the same way. May your name be magnified. He talked about his holiness too. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. The prayer he gave us was the way he prayed too. But out of the whole prayer, this hallowed be your name part is a bit confusing. Because the word holy and hallowed we don't use in modern conversation. And what's it mean, hallowed be your name? Your name is hallowed. So why do we say hallowed be your name if it's... I don't quite understand. So I looked at various translations, and I found one translation that I think really helped. It was the International Standard Version, and it put it like this. It said, may your name be kept holy. Our Father who is in heaven, may your name be kept holy. It wasn't just a statement about God's holiness. It was a prayer and a request that we would honor it as so. So one commentator says this, Let thy name be celebrated, venerated, esteemed as holy everywhere, and receive from all people proper honor. That's what he said, hallowed be thy name, means. So after we say, Our Father, who is in heaven, may your name be kept holy, then we go into our prayer requests. May your kingdom come. Well, it's a, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some people would see that as three separate prayers. May your kingdom come, one. May your, prayer, your will be done, two. On earth as it is in heaven, three. Nope, one prayer in my mind. Asking for God's kingdom to come is asking for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. If his will is done on earth, his kingdom will come. So I see it as one big prayer request. And to me, it's one of my favorite prayer requests. I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. And I don't do it like rote. I've got to do it and get done with. I'm passionate about this prayer. In fact, this is probably the only prayer that I've done my entire life with the same words that I'm passionate about. You know, I can do this prayer or I could leave this prayer. I could say the brucha, or I could say, thank you, Lord, for this food. Thank you for taking care of us. God, this food is great. Whatever. But this one I like 
above all others because I really want his kingdom to come. What else is there? This is the thing that we're waiting for, isn't it? It is me. I don't like this world the way it is. If it wasn't for you people, I'd hate this world. But the love we share with one another makes life better. Family and friends. If it wasn't for that. Let me tell you. On the tour, which I picked the places we went. It was my tour. I had the power. <laughs> Holocaust Museum. Erased. Holocaust Museum. Erased. <sighs> Holocaust Museum. Day comes, we're on the bus heading to the Holocaust Museum. And I'm talking to the guide in Hebrew, and I told him I don't want to go there. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he said, why? And now I had to switch to English because my Hebrew wasn't any better than that. I said, I, I just can't deal with it. I don't want to see this stuff. I've seen enough. So I'm telling my wife, I said, I, I don't want to go in. I think I'm going to sit on the bus. I told somebody else on the tour, and they said, you know, you should go in. Your people are going to grieve. They're going to need help processing. Okay, I'll go in. I can't go in. I can't go in. I'm not going in. My wife said, you're so sensitive. <laughs> yes, I am. So we're there. The bus is unloading. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And the guide says, you know, I don't lead anybody in. We'll go to the outside monuments. Then those who want to go in can go in, and those who don't, don't. I said, okay, I'll, I'll go to the outside monuments, thinking I'd see a statue or a pillar or something. So he walks us over to the memorial for the murdered children. One point something million children. One point something million. When you walk in, the mirrors are set up in such a way that one candle reproduces one point million some, some, some odd times. Every candle for a murdered child. And then you hear in three languages the name of the child. And this goes on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for six to nine months to get through the names. And I was like, this is exactly what I didn't want to be involved in. And I had to, it took all of my strength, all of my power, not to cry. Guys don't cry, especially in public. I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry. I turn my head away and look at the walls. I try to think about something else. Finally, we left. And I was like, oh, thank God. And then we went over to a statue. And he told us a story about the guy. The statue was a guy with his arms around children with a sad face, the children with sad faces. Very surrealistic, very Picasso-ish. But very, what's the word? Haunting. And he told us the story about the guy. This guy ran an orphanage. And the Nazis told him he could leave. They're going to come get the children. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't leave. So he told all the children, we're going on a vacation. And all the kids got all excited. And they took him off to the gas chambers. And the guy insisted on going in the gas chamber with these children. And he died with the children there in the gas chamber. I'm like, ah. Oh. When I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's why I don't like this world. 
it's an evil, bad world. And the fact that we have any joy in it on a day-to-day -day basis, which we do, is a gift precious from God, and I thank, I'm thankful for it. But I just... I, I was at the first site in Israel, and I saw a ballistic missile flying through the sky. I didn't want to freak anybody out, but I knew that's not something we should have been seeing, so I didn't tell anybody. I told the tour guide, he said, oh, that's an airplane. I went and talked to a military guy, he, he probably said that not to freak anybody out. <laughs> he didn't know, he thought it was an airplane. I've seen airplanes. Then the news came, they did their ballistic missile to let Iran know that we're ready for you. First sight, a ballistic missile flying across the sky. I'm looking for its trajectory. Wondering where it's gonna come down. Wondering if it's right here. I always said, if I'm going to die, I might as well do it in Israel. I'm closer to heaven. <laughs> it was a wonderful trip. But even in the Holy Land, that's where Armageddon's going to happen, right? In the Holy Land. I want his kingdom to come. I want all this evil to be done with. So pray with me. Our Father who is in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mia, read to you a little bit about what his kingdom is going to be like. Maybe you'll long for it as much as I do, if you don't, don't already. Isaiah 65, verses 19 through 25. Listen. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought to be a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will, be, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat, for as the days of a tree... So will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox, but dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that got me thinking about heaven. I was just talking to you about earth. What about heaven? Well, I think in order to explain that, I've got to give you the whole story of how I think the afterlife and the future pans out. So I'll share with you my perspective on it. I believe that when a believer dies, he or she goes straight to heaven. No waiting, no soul sleep, no prejudgment, just straight to heaven. I believe that for many reasons, but not the least of which is this passage of Scripture. We're always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. 
for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, and well-pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So I believe when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord, just like that. When a follower of Jesus dies, he or she goes straight to heaven. But the time will come when some people will go straight to heaven without even dying. And we call that the rapture. Listen, listen to what the scripture says about the rapture. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. When a follower of Jesus dies, she goes straight to heaven. When, well, there will be a time when there will still be people alive when Jesus comes back. Those believers will go straight to heaven without dying. We call that the rapture. But I don't think he's coming to set up shop at that moment. I think he's coming to take us home. The way I understand things, after that comes those horrible end times pictures we know about. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. You know, death, famine, plague, war, all that stuff. Um, the Antichrist. The mark of the beast. Armageddon. When we stood on Mount Carmel overlooking the Valley of Jezreel, also known as the, the Valley of Armageddon, we had a treat. First of all, I learned that one of the largest Air Force bases in Israel was right there and we were looking at it. That's kind of a scary treat. The Bible says that's where Armageddon is going to happen and one of the biggest Air Force bases in Israel is there. Go figure. But while I'm teaching, a jet flies overhead. So I have to be quiet. And then another, and then another, and then another. I think there were about four jets that flew right over us while we're talking about Armageddon. It was haunting. It was chilling. And it was exciting. Just saw a little taste of what God's doing. So, the tribulation period will come. I believe it'll last for seven years. Then Jesus will return in earnest. He said that if he doesn't stop that final war, no flesh would be saved. Every human on the planet would die. We do have the capacity to wipe out human life. We've had it for years. He says if he doesn't stop it, it's going to happen. So there will be a battle of Armageddon, but he will stop total annihilation of the human race. Then he will set up his kingdom. That's the thousand-year kingdom. The one I just read about where the wolf dwells with the lamb and where somebody who dies at 100 will be a curse because you'll live as long as a tree. I believe people who live during that time period will live for the entire thousand years unless they're judged for sin then they will die and they'll be accursed. During that tribulation period, at the end of it, he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and he locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years are ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. 
So there's going to be that tribulation period. Some of the saints who are... See, there's going to be the rapture, but then there's going to be the tribulation period, and there'll be new saints made. They're going to have to live through it. Some of them will be executed, martyred. At the end of that, we're all going to rise, and we're going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. By the way, I staked out my little parcel when I was there last. So I'd encourage you to go to Israel, and you can pick your little piece and ask God if you can rule that little area. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. Why? I'll give you my opinion. During that thousand years, Jesus is on his throne, and life is as good as it can get with sin existing. But during that thousand years, people are going to have babies, and their babies are going to have babies. A thousand years. The whole earth will repopulate, no doubt. All these people still have to go through the temptation to decide if they're going to follow God or not. So I guess this will be the final temptation. Satan will be released from prison to do his thing one more time. So that everybody left on the planet can make their final decision. You're going to walk with God or you're going to follow Satan. But he's not going to let much Satan do much. He will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. In numbers, they are like the sand of the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. So after the thousand years, Satan's released from prison. He goes and he campaigns. He says, you know, God's not been very nice to you. I'll give you better. I'll do you better. You've got to follow all these rules. Come Come with me, true freedom. He'll gather an army, an army of idiots. <laughs> Marching the breadth of the land, heading for Jerusalem. And we're just going to be sitting on top of the Mount of Olives watching. <laughs> Scared? Not at all. Wondering how anybody in their right minds could march on Jerusalem when Jesus is sitting there. Duh! So... We'll pull up in a good seat. And, oh yeah, fire's coming. Watch this. Pass the marshmallows. <laughs> they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves, but fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Battle over. Not a bullet fired. Done. And the, dev the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on, it, seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Great and small, one of the cool sites we visited was Caesarea. And out in the breakwaters, you could see the outline of the swimming pool that King Herod had. It's right there. I went and stood on it. And it's kind of funny. This murderer of children and babies, this antichrist, where's he now? Got Jewish people standing on his swimming pool. It was funny when we went up to Masada, our tour guide, Boaz, the Israeli guide, we shared, you know. He um, said, people often ask me, how could God allow things like this to happen? He says, I understand it's sad, 
and it is discouraging. But when you get up there, you turn to your left, and you're going to see the Israeli flag up there. We may have lost the battle, but we didn't lose the war. <laughs> and it was a beautiful spiritual lesson from a man who does not yet know Jesus. And I saw the dead, great and small, Herod, Hitler, Fred, George, Genghis Khan, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book of, was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So here's what's going to happen. If you die before Jesus comes back and you're a committed follower of his, you go straight to heaven, waiting for him to come down and pick up everybody else. When he comes, that's the rapture. The dead will be raised first, and then we who are alive will go up with him to meet the Lord in the air. We'll be up there for dinner. Who knows? Maybe Moses will stand up. Maybe John the Baptist. Open up a bottle of heaven's best. <laughs> oh, de mena. Break a little bread. Raise the voice before millions of people and say, Baruch Adonai, and just turn to him. Eloheinu melech haolam borei hagafen. Marriage Supper of the Lamb will feast. We'll rejoice. Time alone, just for us and Jesus, for seven years. But then he says, okay, guys, you knew this was coming. We've got to go put an end to that. Who wants to join me? I do! Millions of saints descend, land on the Mount of Olives. He stops the war, sets up his kingdom, and says, Steve, that little piece of land you wanted over there? Sorry, I already promised it to Jose, man. <laughs> But I got a good place for you. You're heading back to Tucson, buddy. No! <laughs> Thousand years, babies will be had, lives will be lived, bad people will be dealt with immediately so sin cannot spread. At the end of the thousand years, Satan will be released from prison to gather another army. They'll march on Jerusalem. God will vaporize them on the spot open up the books, and judge everybody. When that's done, all the non-believers thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. They are our inheritance. We will receive them, perhaps someday soon. Don't know, but I'm waiting, like that song. And for now, his grace is enough, and I'm waiting. The rest of the Lord's Prayer 
we'll get into next week. But please, go home with one word. Everybody stand up. I told you my highlights from my trip were people. When we did our Skype chat with you, I couldn't see you. And I could barely hear anybody talking, but then when I said, can you hear me? And you all went, yeah! My heart just exploded. It was just, the, it was precious. It was, it was joy. We're a family. The person standing to your left, the person standing to your right is your brother and your sister. Don't think of them as strangers anymore. Okay, you were adopted. It's 30 years have passed. You've never met them before. Now go and meet them. There's one word I want you to know. It's the word our. There's a couple different ways you can say our depending on the context in Hebrew. Let me teach you one of them. Anachnu. It means we, us. Anachnu. Say it. Anachnu. I just want you to go home with us. But if you can go home with Anachnu, Anachnu is good too. Please bow your heads. We were uh, in Jerusalem near the place where the pool of Bethesda, where Jesus healed that man who was lame his entire life. And there's a church there. It's a 900-year-old church. It's beautiful. And it's known in part for its amazing acoustics. And we went in there and we sang and we did worship in there. And it just reverberated off the walls. And even though there are thousands of people around, God saw fit that we had the church to ourselves. When we started singing, a couple of people came in to join us. But right before we left, I got up front and I just felt compelled to chant the ironic benediction. I knew I was in Jerusalem. I knew we were a church group. And I just felt I needed to do this. With these amazing acoustics reverberating, the doors wide open with many people out in the courtyard, I prayed the ironic benediction like this. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. So I asked the tour guide, who's been leading tours in Israel for over 20 years, when do you suppose the last time the Aaronic benediction was said in this church? Wondering if he's ever heard it. And his response was never. That may be true. It may have never been said in there in 900 years, but it was said in there last week. Go home. Remember one word, our.